once again to cross the line 1524. What will we talk about tonight? There is an island off the coast of Nova Scotia which could hold millions in buried treasure. Oak Island. Oh, that's right. This is our second podcast about Oak Island. We're picking up where we left off. We'd like to welcome everybody to the Rusted Nail. That's where we record our podcast in front of a live audience. So you'll hear them sometimes. Um, and it's a good time. It's a little speakeasy outside Brookville, Indiana. Not too many people know exactly where it's located, and we like it that way. So I'm Alan Stanger, joined with... Jeff Montag. Dwayne Vishaw. And Ruben Hunt. And uh, we're picking up talking about Oak Island. Um, if you caught our last podcast, uh, we talked about a little history of the island. Um, myself, Ruben, and Jeff actually had the uh, great opportunity, along with our wives, to visit the island last year. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, my wife, Mary, was not really a big fan of the show or anything. You know, I remember. You know, yeah. so I, you know, I said, oh, we're going, we're going. So here's the outcome of that. Now, on Tuesday nights, she's like, you know what tonight is, don't you? It's Oak Island night. <laughs> so I haven't decided if it's the, the, you know, if it's the show or G- Gary Drayton. She's got this thing for Gary. It's the accent, <laughs> I'm told. So Where is, where is he from? Uh, well, he lives in Florida now, but he's got the... Uh, English accent going on, so yeah, that's yeah. where he's originally from, I guess. We're losing, but, we're losing Reuben. Anyway, I don't know what Reuben's laughing about, but it we got a fan that's texting me. <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, I will not go into details on this at this time. Uh, that's what happens when you're doing a, a podcast in front of a live studio audience. Anyway, we want to talk a little bit. We started a little bit about what's going on there now. Our last show, we talked about the history somewhat. Uh, I hope in between then and now, you had a chance to grab and get on the History Channel and check out a show or Netflix. Uh, you know, um, it's it's there's a lot of history uh, being found and being made. When I say being made, um, what they thought was the history of the island has changed immensely in a great way. Um, but the folks there now, we want to talk about a little bit. So... Uh, we have Rick and Marty Lagina, who actually um, are spearheading what's going on there now with the History Channel, uh, and their partner, Craig Tester. Uh, they are, from what I can understand, there's one other person that's not on the show, but <coughs> is one of their partners that are financing most of what's happening there. Um, I'm sure the History Channel has a little something to do with that as well. Um, but uh, they're... They're spending some big bucks there. Uh, they're using science uh, to try and, A, locate items, which they have done. Um, the money pit has been an issue for many, many, many years. And the problem is, in the past, there were so many operations. And one of the guys that did an operation there back in the 60s just literally ravished the island, tried to dig a big hole with a bulldozer, moved everything everywhere. 
so the actual location of the money pit was lost. Uh, so they've done different things to try and um, find the money pit. Uh, they do a bunch of different borings uh, and other things. So it's they've definitely stepped their methods up of how they're going to find treasure. Well, technology has uh, gotten a little bit better since the beginning dig, I think, in the, what, 1700s? So, yeah, yeah, they're bringing in some major equipment. I mean, we picked up this year as kind of our first year, and what was it, an eight-foot diameter hole? You know, they went from a small, a six- or eight-inch diameter hole to, to sleep. see what they could find. Yeah, to f- doing an eight-foot bore, which is, you know, right. that's, that's a big hole in the ground. And not just a couple feet. You know, they're going down, you know, 100 feet plus, which, which is a major accomplishment in itself. And, and it was kind of neat this year. Did they hit something down there? Because right. the guy you know running the machine can kind of tell doing this enough what the machine is hitting and what it's digging through, just watching what's happening. And all of a sudden they hit something and it's major wood and then it's gone. Where did it go? Right. You know, so it, 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 there is some interesting things. And I think with some of the things coming up that they're going to be doing, I think, I think you're going to find some major... Um, information this year. That's my hope. I, I I don't disagree. I don't disagree. So Dan Blankenship, who you know took the major search, he, he and Fred Nolan. If you if you watch the history of it, ended up being mortal enem- enemies on the island. Uh, Fred was a, a surveyor who, through his methods, found a lot of different things. He's the one who found issues in the swamp. Found right. Nolan's cross. Um, Unfortunately, they had issues uh, and could not work together. Um, so, can't take can't get Ruben no. So, so anyway, um, they were mortal enemies, and that was unfortunate. And um, they could have shared a lot of great information. I think found a lot a lot of things we're finding now on the island. They would have found earlier if they would have been able to share information. Yeah, just work together. Didn't work that way. So. Um, but that's the way a lot of treasure hunting goes. Isn't yeah, it? unfortunately, it is. It is. So right. two guys right. get two guys get looking for the same thing, different ideas, different plans, different reasons, and different methods of getting there. And you know, you end up going backwards rather than forwards, and you know, you lose something. So you know what's happened in the last couple of years is Fred Nolan passed away, and then Dan Blankenship also passed away. Fortunately, before either of that happened, the Laginas were able to start to forge a, a partnership with Fred Nolan and were able to get some of his maps. and Because um, his son got involved, right? Well, that's after he passed away. Right. So um, after Fred and Dan both passed away, um, Mr. Nolan's son, Tim. Tim. Uh, so he's part of the show now. He's kind of opened everything up. And that's it's great. They've been able, able to share information. It's great because now you see Dave Blankenship with Tim Nolan, the two sons, working side by side. Right. So it's um, it's great to see. So there's other people that are on that show uh, as it's went on um, that have added a bunch to it. We talked a little bit about Charles Barkhouse. Um, and I want to talk about him for just a couple more moments. So... There's here recently terminology used on the show. Um, 
there's there's a phrase they use for everybody on the show now. They used it at the end of the season. Anybody can anybody tell me what that was? Um, Friends of Oak Island. No, the Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Okay. So. Oh, you're right. You're right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. Charles Bark Barkhouse is, um, you know, he's a he is a, a Mason, proud Mason, at least a third degree Mason. That being said, I don't believe he would let them use that phrase unless everybody else on that show was part of Freemasonry, and there's a reason for that. If you're a Freemason, you're part of a brotherhood. That's part of... Which are 32 degrees, right? No, there's only... I I gotta be careful what I say here. So, um, the whole terminology of using the brotherhood, I don't think Charles Barkhouse would agree with, unless everybody there was either an apprentice or working on a degree in masonry. Okay. So, so if they're not, they're working on it. You think? Yeah. So you can be an apprentice, and which, which makes sense. I get that now. So you can be an. Apprentice and masonry. So you can see the guys walking around with the blue ring. Right. So th- those are third-degree masons. Right. Um, so y- your first degree is apprenticeship. There's a degree after that. And uh, your master mason, third-degree mason, you know, you're not supposed to have a ring, blue ring on until then. Okay. Um, you might ask how I know all that. And you just keep thinking that. That's uh, after-show <laughs> conversation. So um, I personally don't think Charles would approve of that terminology unless all those guys were part of, part of uh, Freemasonry in some way, so shape, or form. In your opinion, you feel that they could be a combined agreement to become part of the Brotherhood together. I think so. Okay. I think so. I just want to um, clear that up. Yeah. And maybe I, they found the treasure and now they're going to keep it hidden. No, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think that. I think I think that it's come. They've gotten so close. It was time to say, "Hey, boys, we keep doing this. Want you guys, you know, right? You know, Freemasonry's open to any guy. So I, I think it was an opportunity, and for them to use the terminology of brotherhood, I just think. Uh, no, it's logical. It makes sense. So and, that's, um, I only know a couple Masons, right? And I know a guy that just finished. Uh, his becoming a Mason, and and he explained a little bit to me. I am not. I'm ignorant on how to become a Mason. So. Well, yeah. So everybody is, unless you're a Mason. <laughs> right. Right. Good point, Alan. Said right. <laughs> so, um, but considering it, yeah. So there, there are some things that would shock you about Mason. So the Shriners, right? Right. Freemasons, right? Absolutely. A lot of people don't know that, right? So. Um, so let's move on. So that so we got to meet Charles Barkhouse one on one. So awesome experience. Yes, very except down for Dwayne. Except, except for, for Dwayne. Yeah. Dwayne was behind the curve. Well, we're going to make that happen this year, Dwayne. One yeah. way or the other. Well, even if our tour got canceled for this year, but we're hoping still go if the borders open and the bars are open. And the bars are open. Um, They're always open. <laughs> so not to make it sound like I'm a personal friend of. Another guy on the show, Tony Sampson, who's the diver. Uh, he has uh, Salty Dog Tours, which tours the island from water. Uh, I, I actually, he and I messaged back and forth today a little bit because I wanted to make sure, hey, if um, 
if the border's open, are you going to be open? Because our tour on the island's canceled, but we'd love to do your Salty Dog tour. Uh, right. And he said, oh, yeah, we're... we're which right is now. which is the other view of what we wanted anyway. Exactly. Because when we toured the island, like that would be cool, right? We said that. Yeah, because he came up with a tour while yes. we were we were on the island. I think over by the swamp. Maybe. Right, right. And he came up right. with a tour. So, okay. um, so it's kind of funny, you know. There's other podcasts on about Oak Island. Right. Um, one's called Could It Be. So if you watch the show, I haven't then, looked at those. Okay. So if you watch the show, you know the narrator's like, "Could it be buried treasure at the swamp? <laughs> yeah. Could it be Nolan's cross?" Yeah. So one of the podcasts is called "Could It Be?" Right. Uh, it's by a husband and wife that live close to, and they live in Nova Scotia. Um, and they've had Tony Sampson on. They've had uh, Larry Nevin on, the archaeologist, and it's. It's pretty cool to listen to. Uh, you get some of the behind-the-scenes things. Uh, we talked in the last episode how it's kind of edited. So right. Laird Niven, who's an archaeologist, right? Um, there was an episode where they found a, a underground tunnel coming out of um, Samuel Ball's foundation. Right. And you hear in that, you hear Laird going, well, a treasure chest would fit in there. He goes... That was so taken out of context. He was talking about something totally different. Right. And when they edited it and put it together, it made it sound like that's that's what he said right at the moment when they opened oh, it Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because... Misleading, then, right? It, it's a little misleading. He said, look, I'm an archaeologist, um, and we're finding great finds there. I'm not a treasure hunter, and to be an archaeologist, you can't be a treasure hunter. And there's two different... Ar- things there. Archaeology you know, is a scientific fact, exactly, right? right? Exactly. Okay. Now, not all archaeologists are like Indiana Jones and hunt treasure as well. In fact, you're not supposed to. Um, so, I mean, those are a couple of the people that are there. There's a new character on the show, Billy Gerhardt, who's the operator. It, I mean, you he, know, can I stop here for you? I'm can. glad they... In- I am so glad that they in- uh, injected him into the show because he is hands-on... Directly involved with every dig. He's and us. I'm glad. He's us. He He's is. The common man. Yeah. He is. And <laughs> so, I actually told Margie that I was like, I'm so glad that they've got him as part of this now because he really is hands on with what's going on. Well, he's been he's been in the background for a long time, right, but it's kind of it kind of eased up there, and they you know it's you know and maybe he didn't I want like, to. Yeah. Well, maybe. no, I, well I don't know if it's that. I mean, it was just he was the excavator. Yeah, well, and he, he was the for excavator, and then he'd been there. And, he'd been there long enough. He'd been there long enough, and he kind of became a staple. He did uh, yeah. in the show. So, um, but, but you know, in that case, what we liked about him is he was just who he was. I mean, right, right, right. He was he was just Billy, right? He, he didn't try to be somebody he wasn't. But he come down. What's your think about the angle of cutting and digging here? And he was like, oh, "That's what we need to do." Right. This man was he was roots, and I I won't interrupt any further. But yeah, you're right. No, no, I'm just it's uh, it's great, and, and I don't know if I saw it on a, one of the Facebook pages were on about Oak Island or on the podcast, but they saw, you know, they got the same issues we do up there with the COVID and sure. not doing stuff. Somebody said, yeah, I saw Billy mowing somebody's grass, you know, just doing the common day thing. No kidding. You know, so, you know he's got to do something to make a living just like we do. So he's got to pay the bills, right? That's, that's yeah. right. That's right. So <clears throat> the other person, and we talked a little bit about is Gary Drayton, uh, who they brought on several years ago. 
he's the metal hunter. You know, he's got the metal detector, and he's added a whole other dimension to the show as far yes. as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, every time they dig something up, whether they find anything, they, you know, they got him on top of it with the metal detector, looking, looking hard. Right. Uh, they found stuff with him that never would have found before. The, you know, metal spikes. Uh, well, cri- and, I, and I think the really, the really cool thing about him not only is he finding stuff with with his metal detector he's he's been doing this for decades so he has a background and experience in finding and dating things he's pulling stuff out of the ground and just by his visual look and and feel of the weight of it he's he's dating it pretty closely just within minutes of and he's saying you know that's you know that's freaking 18th century uh, type of item and it's just amazing how accurate he has right, been on right. all this stuff and then to touch on that I, I just recently learned through a show that he has uh, recorded uh, very very high profile finds out of off of the eastern Florida coast yeah and I didn't know that until recently and like this guy's a documented yeah he has several metal books guy. out he really is about you know treasure on the coast yes yes um, that's a whole nother show too you're yeah. right. You're right. Uh, yeah. So he, he's the real McCoy. So it's uh, it's fun to watch when you they got all these other experts involved, and it's you know uh, it did feel like the first year or two they were just digging and and you know to find something in the money pit and in the swamp and things would change. Now the first couple of years, you know Rick Lagina, he was all over the swamp and Marty wanted nothing to do with it. Nothing. Right, right. And uh, if you watch this last year, you know, he finally had to admit, Marty admitted, hey, this, the swamp's where it's at. Um, so it, it, if you do a little history, if you think about things, um, so the money pit, you know, everybody thinks about the money pit digging down. That money pit was put together coming out, not going down. Touch on that a little bit further, please. Okay. The money pit was built coming up out of the ground, not going down into the ground. Everybody thinks about the money pit going down. It was built coming up. Lair, lair of wood, go up, another, another. It was built coming up, not going down. Right. So if you used a thinking from National Treasure that... You build a shaft and you build a secondary airway. One might think that the money pit was actually the secondary way out. Ah, okay. All right. After watching this season and last season with what's going in the swamp, I might think that the main way in was through the swamp. Really? Which would make sense if they blocked off and dammed up the swamp and closed in the bay... Exactly. And sunk the ship. Exactly. A ship, not the ship, but a ship. Or the ship was disassembled. Right. I think the ship was disassembled to build the shaft work. For the Where did the 18-foot piece of wood come from, right? Well, that was, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. And pieces of metal. And, right. and there's all kind of stuff okay. this year that came out that they dated. So you're, you're thinking the possibility that the entrance came from the swamp. My theory is that okay. it came from the swamp inward. The money pit wasn't built going down. It was built coming up. Coming up. 
you think as about an exit route. Exactly. Okay. Then think about that way, honestly. Hmm. <laughs> Jeff? So think about that for a moment. He's, he's, well, bef- right, well, he's baffled on that. Right? No, I mean, I just hadn't thought about it from that perspective. I haven't either, honestly. You know, so I guess un- until this conversation, I'm thinking the swamp and the money pit are two separate excavations. They're right. just two separate events in history. And uh, maybe not. I, I you know, I can I can see where you're going. They did find that tunnel, that shaft or whatever, going sideways down that one deep hole, and that was just off the swamp. So, yeah. yeah. Why they didn't? I'm, that's one aggravating thing. I'm sitting at home going, why are you not figuring out a better way to look into that? You know, with the technology they have, why didn't they work harder on that? Figuring out what was in that hole. You know, and it's a good question, Dwayne. But you think about these well, that, guys. That that actual hole was a that was determined to be a searcher hole. Right. So that's a hole that was that shaft and that that tunnel was built by a searcher searching for the treasure. Searching for oh, okay, the treasure. I must have missed that. Yeah. Right. So, so that's, you, a, that's yeah. a searcher. So they were. You look yeah. at the technology we have today and what they're doing now, and the ex- expense of going into understanding how how and why they did it. You know, what was the last field? They were they were looking at a different spot. They named it after someone's mother, right? And they drilled down like 125 feet. And they hit something. And you think about the boreholes that they're doing here. It's, it's all test holes, right? And every one of these test holes have come up with something. So I, I think what we learned this season in the season-ending episode is what's down there is moving. Yeah. I agree, agree. So right. I think that's part of the issue where they think they should be hitting. It's moved. I mean, and, and why? Because we're an island, right? That, we're soft that, underneath coin, that coin that Mr. Lagina put down in one hole moved ten feet to the yes, next hole. Right, right. So, well, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah is there it's, a it's moving underground water, right? Res, a reservoir or something down there that things are just. Well, floating. you remember they ran the red dye through and it came out at the swamp, right. at the uh, beachhead. So. Yeah, so it's you know it's it's interesting stuff. If 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 you're if you're guys like us who grew up uh, thinking you're going to be a swashbuckling pirate, <laughs> this is it right here. It's as close you're going to get. Well, that, that's why you moved to Key West. Yeah, I did. I did <laughs> exactly. Do you know at one point in time, Key West was the highest highest per capita income in the entire nation, and why? Because of shipwrecks. Shipwrecks. So there's reefs all around Key West. Right, right. The folks that lived in Key West was purposely turn off the lighthouses. Right. Guess so what you crash happened? the ships, steal the gold, right? <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you this has been a... Uh, I mean, this, don't, this is not current day, folks. Sure. You know? uh, but yeah, they would purposely turn the lighthouses off so ships would crash in the reefs. Right. And right. the way the law, maritime laws were back then, you go out, whatever you got right. is yours. Right. So at one point in the history of the United States, Key West had the highest per capita income of any place. <laughs> you know, and it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, you know... Talking to Margie, I said, she goes, you know, if you if you hit the lottery one day, what would you do? I said, I'd spend my life uh, diving for treasure off the coast of, of America. She's like, well, why would you do that? I said, because there's a map that shows like 1,800 wrecks. 
of the 14, yeah. 15, 16, 1700s. Well, that not only that, you she's could, like, well, why? And you I can said, afford well, why to do not, it, right? <laughs> and you can afford to do it, right? Right. Uh, but so not I think only I that, it's the search for the history, right? Well, but yeah, right, exactly. So, it's, so getting back to Oak Island and why for two hundred years they've been searching and not, and nobody discovering the full truth is. The technology wasn't there. Right. These right. things would happen. People would run out of money. There were so many different endeavors to go after to determine what happened there. And so the Laginas are just the next the next guys up. Right. And, right. You know, and then they have the financial well, backing to do it. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Right? We'll see. But... The the fact is the tech, as Dwayne said, technology has changed a bunch. Right. So they have that advantage. Um, they seem, at least for now, to have the the money. And and again, when you talk about their the History Channel, so they have income from the the program uh, to help. To, to, to push Certainly that help along. offset some of it. Yes. Exactly. And at the end of the last series, you know, they were seriously talking about what they termed the big dig. And they were talking about a humongous excavation because, and, and this is what I think is interesting, because if you've watched the show all the way through with the Lagina brothers, you know, Rick, Rick is all heart and passion. Marty is all about what, what they're finding, the science, where it's leading them, the geology—you know what I mean? And, right. And right. so he's—he's he's the more—I um, don't know if reasonable was the right term, but he's—he's he's going on based on where it's leading them. Right. Rick. Rick's heart's leading him, but Marty is. You know, number one, he's facts. He, yes, he, he's facts. He's it's charted. It's that. It's right. Well, again, he's the, he's, he's the engineer. Business. He's, he's the engineer guy. and the science guy. Right. And so, you know, that engineering brain says, "Give me the facts," and and that's Absolutely. what we'll run with. Right. And to watch the evolution that's happened with with Marty and his belief from the start of this, which was, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens too. Something seriously Something happened on, here, right. and you know, at the end of the last season, I mean, his his discussion was we're talking tenfold money to do what we're talking about next, which is this humongous excavation. Unfortunately, that probably isn't going to happen this year because of COVID nineteen, and so it's that just like everywhere else in the world has limited their their ability to to move forward and to take on the immense project that that would be. But um, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens next up there with regard to that. Right. You know, and I think, you know, something we've missed out here on too is as we talk through this whole thing is this has been going on for a couple centuries. These, these different searches and like we, it's been mentioned that there have been lives lost. And back in the 60s, when we talked about the Reader's Digest write-up, a lot of that had to do with the loss of four people in one event. Right, There right. were four people lost. Family. The rest alls. The rest alls. The rest alls, right. You know, that, again, so passionate about understanding what happened here. And a tragedy happened and four people died at once. And they were... 
you know, there were two people that had died prior to that right. in this endeavor. And we've seen in the last few seasons, there's been some pretty risky stuff yes. done yeah. to try to find this treasure that, that if things had turned sideways, certainly somebody's life could have been lost. Isn't Absolutely. The, isn't the curse that one more has to pass before what it says. Correct. the treasure Correct. can be found? So. But, you know, you, you think about what we've watched for six, seven seasons now. And and the three of us have been fortunate enough to go and visit. I have a vision of Dwayne, all right? Our goal is to get Dwayne onto the island. And the reason why, one, he's an analytical brain. So uh, he thinks about stuff in, in different complexes. But the idea is you do not truly buy into it until you're standing there. And then you're standing there and you're talking to the guys that are doing it. And you hear their voices, and you hear the compassion, and you hear what's going on. It, it sort of solidifies what you're talking about. I mean, I remember talking to to Barkhouse standing there, going, you know, if you remember right, we we're standing on the hillside, and he went, we couldn't go down to the uh, Smith Cove. Smith Cove, right? And he said, uh, "Sorry, I can't let you go down to Smith Cove." Uh, we're like, "There's something big there's going something on there." Something big going on, and there was right. There was something big going on, but it also. Hearing it from a person that actually works on the island, working on a project, doing the thing, going, this dude is totally bought in. Something is clicking about this whole program, and what is it? And until you stand there and hear that from him, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're hearing what we're saying, you're hearing what we're doing, you're watching the shows, but in, in the same with me, I did like okay. But when I heard him tell me, when he looked at me and said, "I'm telling you, there's something here." I know for a fact, that's his quote, I know for a fact it's on this island. It's totally different than watching a TV show and listening to three buddies talk about their last visit there. It's right. different. Am yeah, I right, guys? Exactly. Yeah. So the other thing that's different is I'll never forget the new season came on and Mary and I are on the couch, I think, or, you know, we're watching it. And Mary's like, we were standing right there. Right. That's right, exactly. right where he's at. We were right there. Right there. You know, it, it's it's pretty freaking amazing that you can do that. And we're walking down the street and uh, we run into uh, Dave Blankenship, right? Right. And he walks out of his house, comes down the driveway, and he's saying hi to a couple people. He's the only person that lives on the island at this time, right? And uh, Marge is like, oh my God, I, I touched him, right? I have the DNA of Dave Blankenship. <laughs> right? So she's she's cloning him. About, right? She's going to clone <laughs> him, right? And she's laughing about that. But the idea, and I think we all agree, talking to Dave Blankenship on the island it's a guy that grew up as a kid on the island. They grew up with a father that was indulged in this. And then sit here and listen to him and say, you know, uh, in, in very realistic terms, you you connected with that guy because you realized it, it was real. And right. it wasn't fake. This well, guy. It, to right. your point, it was most of his life. It was. It was most of it, his life. Right. Yeah. So helping his dad. He lost his father with the commitment to Oak Island. Yeah. Right. Right. So if you, those of you who start, we hope you start watching Oak Island. Right. Um, and we're not getting paid by this. Yeah. Point. We're not getting paid. <laughs> no, Dave, no. Uh, you, well, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so, and we bought a lot there. We're just not telling anybody. Anyways, uh, Dave Blankenship, you'll notice, has a noticeable limp uh, and. I really can't use one side of his body. Um, he was involved in a very serious crane accident yes. where the cabling actually broke on the crane 
uh, and struck struck him. So when you see him and he's you know he he's not as functional as you would think a man his age would be. Uh, he's lucky to be alive. Um, so that did not happen on island. It happened right. on a construction job elsewhere. Um, the good thing about uh, Mr. Blankenship is he is a very avid, and I mean avid, Crown Royal drinker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the That's fr- important, Alan, in case anybody yeah. out there in the land so knows. I'm thinking they got in trouble because he used to always say, it's crown time. The first right. four or five seasons, right. it would always be it's crown time after they find something. We haven't heard the last couple right. of seasons. Right. So I'm thinking Crown Royal either said, pay us some money or don't say that anymore. Well, so. well maybe that's why you couldn't find Crown anywhere else in Nova Scotia. Yeah, it was because it, it was all in Oak Island. Yeah. And, you know, I think about all the things that we did last year when the, the group of us went. And that was probably a very important point when we're walking down that gravel road, coming from Smith Cove. Returning back to the interpretive center, and Dave Blankenship walked down his driveway, which is the only person living on the island, to say hi and thank you to the people. And he just lost his father. Yeah, that was yeah, right. That was a few right? months. Yeah, and, just and, a few months and Margie, after us, uh, Margie, we were talking to him, and and he said uh, she put her hand out to shake his hand. He said, he said, ma'am, I don't. I was not raised to shake a lady's hand. I was raised to hug a lady. And she said, absolutely, sir. And she gave him a big hug and and. Uh, I have pictures of that. It's a wonderful guy. Uh, how can a guy grow up from a youth, live on an island, understand all that stuff, and, and be bought in like he is, and something not be there? And that's right. the part. So he was 16. when Right. He was 16, 16 years old when Dan first looked at the and island. And you think about that. That man lives there every day knowing that it, there's something there. Right. and. You know, when you think about the big picture and we talk about the stuff we did and what we've seen, and we spent, what, two hours walking that island, it was amazing. Uh, you know, standing at the uh, you know, standing at the swamp, looking at 10X, and looking at all, and listening to these conversations, and then you go back, and then here's Dave Stanner just saying, thank you for coming and visiting. Right. He didn't try to sell you anything. He didn't try to convince anybody. He just wanted to say hi. And, and we had the opportunity to say, you know, I'm sorry about your father. Uh, and, and he was so appreciative of that, knowing that he's still indulged in what's going on in Oak Island. I thought it was so important. So one of the other guys who just this past two years, I think, is a historian named Doug Crow. Yes. Um, and so I always wonder what his story was. So come to find out, his dad actually worked with Dan Blankenship Didn't know that. on the island. Yeah. Okay. So there was a, I think it was a drilling down. At, okay. You know, they have all these different shows now right. besides just Oak Island. And come to find out, it was part of his legacy. He wanted to get back to Oak Island. He works as a historian. Uh, and a lot of the things that they find off the island are because work he's doing behind the scenes, which is, uh, you know, pretty neat. You know, they've branched out from just digging in a hole to, to finding all the history. You know, this year they went— Even on the mainland. On the mainland. Right. I mean, they, they went to dig in a spot where they thought the 90-foot stone was buried someplace. Right. They, I mean, it's just—it's pretty amazing uh, all the history, history that they've— dug up just not in the island or on the island but you know elsewhere they've traveled you know to france they, right. they've done all right. kind of things and you know uh, that cross they found matches perfectly to a, a, 
in a, a carving where the Knights Templar were held in prison. In prison. In prison. I mean, the cross. I mean, the cross matches matches the grinding stones. Perfect. Perfect. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and I to your point. So you know, they've traveled to Europe and and talked to historical experts there. Right. Um, That reference, you know, that Oak Island has has history and and you know they've got information that basically leads back to. Yes. To Europe to say, yeah, you know, there's there's definitely something it's, going on. It's defined history. It is yeah. it is written and documented history. So it gets back to it gets back to again, it gets back to the end the end story is is what is it? We don't know yet. And um, I think the Lagina's passion now is just to try to get through to telling what the story was. Treasure or not, you know, I mean there's been discussion of everything from right from uh, the Holy Grail to to Shakespeare's uh, writings, uh, writings and and what have you, and like I indicated on the previous podcast, is right. for me whether whether there's it's still there or not. Something was there, but if it's still it's still there or not, it's just the history and the story is just going to be incredible if we can fi- you know if we can figure it out right. and they can they can determine what that was. You know. Uh, Alan said something in a couple episodes ago that uh, it's our history that we're erasing and it's our history that drives us forward and we were at that point we're talking about the Dukes of Hazard, right and and you're right it's what can we find out of this that drives us forward and I'm telling I'm I'm totally indulged and I sit and you know, I'm by myself a lot four or five days a week down there in an apartment in the middle of nowhere and I sit and research and stuff and and you realize that there's more to it than just jewels and gold and crap like that. There's entirely more to it. And we realize that our history and our our founding group of where we came from was actually challenged and, and was fought against. And, and we had to run from that to protect who we are. We had to run from that and we had to hide from that and we had to escape to a place like possibly Nova Scotia to protect who we were as, as first Christians. And I, I, I see this stuff and then I go back and I look and I, and I think, and you know, how is it that we're going to take our, our future youth to understand this part of our struggle for we're getting to now we see in today that, that all of our struggles that we see today with the, even Christianity and Muslim, Muslim, and everything else. That it's such a battle to become who you really are and who you really right. And it's difficult. And it, the history helps us develop who that right. we are. And, right? and what you see in past history repeats itself now. I mean, yes. people were persecuted in the past for their religious beliefs. Right. And right. some of that still exists today. Um, I think more than anything. The show to me has opened up my eyes about things I never knew existed. Quite honestly, right, right. Um, so there's one other person I want to talk about on the show who this last year I think has stepped up. Uh, his name's Jack Jack Begley. Yes. So he is yep. Craig Tester's stepson, stepson right? So yeah. early on in the first season or second season, uh, Craig Tester's son actually passed away. 
Um, he had complications from asthma, I believe. Yeah. It didn't happen on the show. Right. Um, so that was tough on Craig and Jack. And you really, up until this year and in the last year, didn't hear. You saw him on the show, but he didn't really talk a lot. Well, this year, anytime there was something found, I mean, he he was like a little kid talking about it. He was. And yep. so he's really blossomed into somebody that, you know, he believes. There's no doubt he believes. Right. Um, and it's it's fun to watch. At least, you know, seeing the press, I've watched it pretty much from the beginning. Right. To see it, you know, see him progress from there to here. He, he's part of the watch. interpretive center. Yeah. And it, you're right. right. And I, I agree with that. He He's totally indulged compared to what we've seen in some of the other characters that he really is trying to prove exactly where this stuff is coming from. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I tell you what, it's it's been great talking about Oak Island, and the show itself has led to some other shows. Um, there's the show that immediately followed it on the airwaves after it went off is uh, a Search for the Lost Treasures of World War II Gold, right. um, which is, you know, I'm watching that, and when I don't watch it, it's being, I say taped, it's not tape anymore, it's right. DVR. And then there's another show that the Laginas are actually tied to, at least uh, Marty is. He's funding it. it. It is called The Lost Treasures of the Civil War Lost Civil, Treasures. Civil War Lost Treasures, right. And, it, and its first season was last year, and its next season's coming up this year. And it's really rewriting some history in the United States, if you've watched it. it if I can, Alan... I, I have, and I read it. I watched a part of the uh, crossing the Georgia state line into a, a creek basin, and I can tell you I had to hit the pause button, right? My brain went into overload because of what was found in a crossing in a creek line in Georgia. And if you know anything about what's happening in the Civil War during all this time, and, and you know there was a certain line that crossed. You will be an adult in this, and you need to, if you're into history and you like to understand it, you need to dig into this because there is some substance there. Yeah. So even so much more that they're in, they trace the gold to Michigan. Yes. So you have people that were generals on the Confederate side. Right. Who, within a year or two, are bankers that have multi- Million dollar banks. Right. Now, right. Tell me how that happens. Yeah, they sunk the empty box is why, but uh, that's between me. But Yeah, they're, they're very smart and good investors. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. So, yeah, and during cab- the Civil War. Cabbage farming. They were, cabbage yeah, they farming. Were good cabbage. Good point. But I, I think that's what's great. You know, um, I think that's what's great about the his- History Channel. They branched out, got these other, and it's all, it is all about history. Um so it's fun to watch. It's fun. Right. It's it's entertaining, but it's educational as well. So right. I certainly hope everybody listened to this. If you haven't watched uh, Oak Island, you take the chance to do that. Because uh, I guarantee if you're not intrigued, you will be after you watch a season or two of it. Um, what do you think, Rube? One thing I want to leave everybody with is uh, Alan here said something an uh, episode back, and, and it's very important everybody takes understanding that what we see in history defines who we are today, and it tells us about our past, whether it's good or bad. It's our history. It tells us who we really are, and there are some bad history, and there is some good history, 
But the point is, is that's what who defines us today. Exactly. And, and I think that's so important, Alan. And you, I was listening to the podcast, uh, previous podcast before I got here today. I listened to the last four, and you mentioned that, and it's important to understand that's exactly right. Our history dictates who we are and who we move forward, whether it's good history or bad history. And sometimes bad history makes better futures, and people need to understand that. That's all I wanted to say. I don't think anybody else could say it better. Yeah, good. So I'm Alan Stanger. I'm Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Montag. And Ruben Hunt. And we'd like to thank you for listening to Cross the Line 1524. You guys take care. We all know there's nothing like that taste of fresh honey. It's pure as can be, all natural. Check out Hoosier Creek Farm right outside of Brookville, Indiana. You can find them on Facebook at Hoosier Creek Farm. Learn a little bit about beekeeping, what it takes to get that fresh honey. Remember, how do you know it's pure honey if you don't know the beekeeper? Hoosier Creek Farm. Proud to be one of our sponsors at Cross the Line 1524. Uh, That's right. You don't know if it's pure honey if you don't know the beekeeper. Make sure you check out Hoosier Creek Farms. They're one of our favorites. You might know one of the guys there, Mr. Montag. Anyway, we hope you've enjoyed our two-part series on the curse of Oak Island. Obviously, as you can tell by listening to us, it's one of our favorite topics, actually, uh, because it's history. It's history being uncovered, and, uh, you know, every episode puts you on the, the tip of your toes of what's coming next. Unfortunately, due to the COVID virus, uh, you heard us talking about going to Oak Island. That's not happening. Um, The tour was canceled for July, June and July. So July's was canceled as well as our airfare. We were going to go to Oak Island anyway. I had contacted Tony Sampson uh, from Salty Dog Tours and he said he would be operating on a limited scale basis, which was perfect for us. We were going to go ahead and go to Oak Island, uh, but Air Canada decided to cancel the flight. So we won't be going there this year, but we hope to next year. So once again, thank you for listening to Across the Line 1524. You can find us on Apple Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.crosstheline1524 or on Facebook at Cross the Line 1524. If you've got suggestions for our podcast, shoot us a message. We're always looking for new topics, ideas, and friends. You guys take care.